This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. Everyone I talk to on this show is someone I follow or was told to follow online. Most of the conversations you'll hear are with people I have never met in person, yet they've impacted how I think. What does it look like for Christians to enter the chat thoughtfully? Let's grow together on Viral Jesus. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. Well, I hope you've had a great week so far. It's about to get so much better. I have read so many of your messages throughout this podcast series, what you may be getting wrong about God. And I am honestly, I really want you to know this. I am truly humbled and honored to have brought it to you, that you received it so well. We had, I I mean, just countless messages over this series. I had several of you tell me that you listened to Beth Allison Barr's episode on the making of biblical womanhood and that it brought up such good discussion for you in your home. And also that some of you are using this in small groups at your churches. I love that. I had people tell me that Joel Mutamale's episode, what you may be getting wrong about God's vision for the church, was so compelling that you listened to it multiple times. I had quite a few of you tell me, I had to run that back. I had to repeat that. And I was so encouraged to hear that. I was also really encouraged that so many of you loved Ty Gibson and David Asherick. They're personal friends of mine. Their ministry is called Lightbearers. And that a lot of you were saying that it just really helped you see God as beautiful and as loving and merciful. And that specifically meant a lot to me because I remember how I felt when that transition started happening in my own mind, when I started seeing God as truly like this guide or this father and mother and a being that wanted what was best for me. And it really changed the way I dealt with the shame of my own sin. I am really quick now when I feel convicted of my own sin to just bring it to the Lord. I'm like a Catholic. I confess all the time. I go to my room and just, when I do my prayer walks in the morning, I just think through, is there anything that might be hindering me from you in this moment? Let me just make sure I place my jealousy or my anger or my bitterness. Let me bring this right to God because I'm not afraid of how you'll receive me because I genuinely have met this really loving God. And so it meant a lot for me, for you guys to hear that in that conversation with Ty Gibson and David Ashrick. Interesting point for you. I think this is why this series in particular was super important for me is because a few years back when I started going through my own transformational experience, it was honestly probably about 2016, I read a book called How God Changes the Brain. 
And it was by two neuroscientists, Andrew Newberg and Mark Robert Waldman. And they talk about a study that revealed the essential character that you believe God has is the type of character traits you will start to possess. The character traits that you believe God has. So when we believe that God is angry, when we believe that God is out to get me, if I just do something wrong, if I mess this up, he's going to get me. When we see God that way, we become those type of people. And this is probably why 72% of Christians, that's us, not them, 72% of us see God as angry. And so I am personally really passionate about telling people in my own ministry and building hope where I can because I know what it's done in my own life. And in the just, guys, the deep affection that I have for a God that I perceive to be beautiful and kind and loving, he has transformed me as I started to transform my perception of who God is. If I believe that God is love, I become more loving. It's wild how this works. This is two neuroscientists. They're not Christians, by the way that did the study. If I believe that God is merciful, I become more merciful. We tend to take on the traits that we worship. And so I I just love this series because I think that there's so many things that I am getting wrong probably right now about who God is, right? And there's so many things that I've definitely gotten wrong in my past that I see so much clearer now. I was wrong about who God is. And I think what I've discovered is, yeah, I may not understand everything about how God moves, but what I am committed to and what I want, I hope you to understand and be committed to is that God is for you, is that God is love, that God is good. I'm committed to that. No turning back no turning back. So today I want to share with you one more thought from my heart of something that I think I was getting wrong about God's desire for the family of God, for the kingdom of God. And it's why I felt compelled, honestly, to write my book, I'll See You Tomorrow with my husband, Seth, because I believe God in the very nature of who God is, is relationship. And I'm going to close out our series today by fleshing out why this matters, like why you really understanding. I'm not being dramatic when our metaphorical, when I say God is relational, I I want you to understand, I think the very nature of God is relationship. I'm going to break it all down for you in our episode today. But first, are you ready for hashtag blessed, where we look at a current topic facing all of us with social media and decide whether it's a hashtag bless or hashtag mess. Today, I am joined again by our resident social media scholar, Brady Shearer. Brady Shearer is the director of Pro Church Tools and church software platform Nucleus. His work focuses on helping churches navigate the biggest communication shift in 500 years. Brady, please hashtag bless us. When we are creating a social media post or a video, how can we make sure that we don't get lost in the scroll as people are just scrolling? Is there like a certain type of hook we can think about that would make somebody see us as more engaging content? What do you think? 
Sure. So the objective that we always instruct people to consider is you want to stop the scroll. And over the years, how one goes about stopping the scroll ha has changed and there have been different techniques and tactics. Uh, nowadays, with discovery algorithms and vertical video playing such a big role on social, the way that you want to stop the scroll is using what we call uh, the hook method. And the hook okay. method is basically uh, just uh, writing a headline, ultimately, that is going to make a promise, make a commitment to the viewer, the person on the other side of that mobile device, and basically say, hey, if you stick around and engage with this content, engage with this video, here's what you're going to get. And you wanna put that mm. hook in the first three seconds of the video to make sure that people have a chance to see it. Oftentimes, I'll put the hook uh, on the very first frame of the video. So if you're scrolling, you will see it in type. So if you're not listening to the audio, it's still going to show up. and. There are a few things that you want to consider when writing the hook, and we call these the, the three C's. Okay. And uh, the first one is common. And this is something that's especially important. If you want to reach a wide audience, you need to consider how universally accessible is this specific idea? So, you know, so in the context mm. of church, you know, maybe your church is discussing something that's a, maybe it's a little more insider focused. It's really church heavy. Well, if you want to reach a, a wider audience, you might want to consider categories that the church and scripture speak to, but are also relevant to all people. So maybe you talk about family, purpose, finances, hope, destiny, community, any of these things that are integral to what we do as churches, uh, but could reach anyone. Uh, the second thing is care. So first C is common, mm. second C is care. Does the person on the other side of this phone go about their everyday life? And will this matter to them? They find it, they stumble across it, do they care whatsoever? You know, we had one person write a hook for us once and it was like, you know, how you can practice gratitude. And what I said to them was I said, Gratitude is a great end goal, but it can't be our starting point because someone's going throughout their day. They've got so many different little stressors and things to consider. They see something that says how here's how you can practice more gratitude. Absolutely a noble objective of where we want to get people, but they're probably not going to be like, oh, yeah, that's that's exactly what I needed today. I wanted to figure out how to practice <laughs> gratitude. So you have to consider, do people care about this starting point? And again, the starting point can be very different from the ending point. And then the final thing is cliffhanger, the third C, cliffhanger. Ah. Uh, you know, reality TV does this the best nowadays. Back uh, in episodic television, Lost really popularized this in a big way. And the idea here is that you don't want to give away everything in the hook. The hook is a promise, but there should be some element of mystery contained within that promise that would hook someone to watch through the entire video. You know, of course, this all hinges on then you delivering on that promise. You know, we've all been on the yeah, other yeah. side of this where someone makes a big claim and then you watch the video and you're like, yeah, that had nothing to do with what they said. And so it's a really fine line to walk uh, between, you know, gripping someone's attention, but also not being too hyperbolic or too sensational. And the best way to hone your skill here is you take those three C's, you write your hook, you write your headline, and give yourself a score out of five for each of them. So out of five for mm, common, like out of that. five for care, out of five for cliffhanger. Total number of points you could get is 15. You want that score to be above 10. Greater than 10, and you're in a good place. You're gonna have a chance to reach a wide audience and take this content that you have and essentially give it a chance at reaching as many people as possible, which is what we want. We work hard on the content, we wanna give it a right. chance. If it's under 10, maybe go back to the drawing board because you might work hard on the content the hook just doesn't uh, grip people, doesn't stop the scroll, and now maybe you missed an opportunity that would have been there otherwise. Brady, you give us so many good alliterations. Is it common? 
Do people care? And what's the cliffhanger? Thank you so much. Before posting your hook on social media, have you thought about these things? Are you making posts that are hashtag blesses or hashtag messes? You decide. If you want to respond to our hashtag blessed segment today, if you have your thoughts on this topic, we would love to hear from you. Just type into your search bar, whether on Instagram or Twitter, type in at viral Jesus pod, and then just put a hashtag blast on the end of whatever your comment is, and we will see it. We would love to enter the chat with you. So we are starting a pod class series next week called Lessons from My Mentor. I have been thinking about this series in summer when I sat down planning the different pod classes. This is last summer, summer 2022. I sat down and I'm thinking through the different pod classes I want to do. And mentorship has been so key in my own ministry experience, in my own professional experience, in my own just relational development. I think even in the purpose in which I've come to discover God is is wired and wiring me for to pursue. Mentorship has been so crucial. And so we're going to move into that next week. And I get to sit down, by the way, with my real life mentor, Jose Rojas. And I'm honored to invite him on the podcast. He's uh, somebody that's been really close to me for probably about, I don't know, four years or so now. And I've learned more. This is true. I've told him this privately. I'll tell you publicly. I have learned more in four years under his mentorship than I had in like 25 years on my own. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of wisdom we can gain from other people's experiences. And I can't wait for you to meet him. He is a treasure to the kingdom. So please tune in next week for that. I also, in this podcast series, we're going to sit down with Beth Moore, Christine Kane, and Joe Saxton. I chose all of them intentionally I'm so grateful that they accepted our invitation. I chose them intentionally because all of these people are people that have genuinely mentored me, either online or in person. And so I just wanted to expose you to some of the voices that have really shaped who I am. I can vet them. I can tell you these are good, sound, solid teachers, which is really at the heart, I think, of what Viral Jesus is about, is that mentorship doesn't just take place in person anymore. We can really be mentored by people online. When we sit down with Christine Kane, I'm going to talk to her and you about how Christine Kane was mentoring me through YouTube. And she had no idea at the time, even who I was. That is what has happened in our world through online communication. We can impact the lives of the people who are just scrolling on their phones. And we have no idea the seeds that we get to plant. Oh, friend, please stay faithful. It matters. What you're doing right now matters. Be faithful to what the Lord has placed in your hand. Mentorship and relationship are things I think we don't pursue enough because our culture has swallowed this idea, at least in our Western world. I'm not going to put this (laughs) on some of our international friends. I know this show has really strong audiences We have a really strong audience in Canada. We have a really strong audience in Panama and Cayman, Brazil, um, Jamaica, my Jamaican friends. Hello from Viral Jesus. Shout out to all of you. To all of our friends in more collectivist cultures that are listening right now, I want you to know we have so much to learn from you in the West about the gospel. 
I really, and this is why I believe we have to listen to a diversity of authors and speakers and teachers and mentors when it comes to the gospel, because this is a kingdom-wide, worldwide vision God has given us. And I really think it's incomplete without the entire body of Christ, because the gospel is a relational message. And I would say, because God is a relational God. So I want to close out our podcast series, just reflecting and, and thinking on what are some things we may be getting wrong about God's vision for the family of God? I want to close this out on this concept because I think, A, it, it enters us into the idea of mentorship for next week, but it's also just something that's really dear and close to my heart because it's something I've really discovered. I was missing, I think, in my own spiritual life. So I'm going to put on my communication professor hat today class is in session, y'all. I'm going to close out our pod class on what you may be getting wrong about God in a way that I believe will also introduce you to our series that starts next week on mentorship. So right now is where I want you to pause this episode so that you can share it with a friend. You know how there are book clubs right? I was in book clubs, all right? All throughout college, I was always in a book club. I love book clubs because you take in this really personal information that is developing, right? To your character or to your mind or to your growth. And then you get to sit down with other people and hear how it shaped them. And it will hit you in new ways that you didn't even think about the first time that you flipped through those pages or listened to the podcast. I want pod class clubs, for viral Jesus, like book clubs, where you listen to an episode and then you share it with someone. Because I really do try to approach every episode like my university classroom. And today I'm going to share with you what you may be getting wrong about self-reliance, what you may be getting wrong about, I believe, what God's vision for the kingdom of God or for God's family, the family of believers is, uh, what you may be getting wrong about how I think self-reliance is a myth. We're going to break that down in today's episode. So I want to take a breath. I want you to take a breath, grab some paper or take out your phone on your notes app, really write some of this stuff down and share this episode right now with someone who you think would appreciate it. And if you don't mind, allow me to spend the next few minutes with you as Dr. Heather Thompson Day. So contact with other human beings is so important that when you are deprived of it for long periods of time, depression sets in. Research shows that the most important contributor to your happiness, outranking how much money you make, outranking the job that you have, outranking how much sex you're having, is our close relationships with other people. I just want to repeat that because again, I think this is something we are starting, especially in our individualistic culture, to really get wrong about God's vision for the kingdom of God, for the family of God. Okay. Research shows that the most important contributor to your happiness, friend, more important than whether or not you get that job, more important than whether or not that house closes, more important than your romantic relationships and the sex that you're having is your close relationships with other people. There's no more convincing evidence of this 
then when we look at like the absence of parental affection, then that compiled by Renee Spitz. So in a South American orphanage, Spitz observed and recorded what happened to 97 children who were deprived of emotional and physical contact with others. Because of a lack of funds, there was not enough staff to adequately care for the children in this orphanage that were ranging in ages from three months to three years old. Nurses changed diapers and fed and bathed the children, but there was little time to hold and cuddle and and squeeze them, right? And talk to them like a mother would. After three months, many of them showed signs of abnormality. Besides a loss of appetite and being unable to sleep well, many of the children lay with a vacant expression in their eyes. After five months, serious deterioration set in. These children would lay with whimpering, with troubled and twisted faces. Often when a doctor or nurse would pick up an infant, it would scream in terror. I want you to listen to this. 27, almost one third of the children died the first year, not because of a lack of food and not because there wasn't health care. They died because of a lack of touch. They died because of a lack of emotional nurture. Because of this, seven more died the second year. And eventually, only 21 of the 97 survive at all, and most of those suffering serious psychological damage. We don't just want relationship. We need relationship. Oh, my goodness, church, I think this is something we might be getting wrong. We don't just want relationship with other people. We actually need relationship in order to survive. I think it was like in 2020, I was watching the documentary series about the Chicago Bulls with Michael Jordan called The Last Dance. And there's this scene in The Last Dance where it's before the Bulls really become the Bulls, right? And so they finally make it to the playoffs. And they're so excited to make it to the playoffs. And they're playing off against Orlando Magic. And they lose. They lose. And so they're totally dejected and defeated. And all of them, you know, the season's over. So they're about to walk off the court, go their separate ways for, for their break until, because it's the off season. And there's this scene where Michael Jordan's trainer turns to Michael Jordan. His name is Tim Grover. Tim Grover, the trainer, turns to Michael Jordan and he says, hey, Mike, just let me know when I'll see you. And Michael Jordan says, I'll see you tomorrow. So there was this moment as I'm watching this where I realized the reason Michael Jordan became Michael Jordan is because when everybody else was walking off the court to go home, Michael Jordan always said, I'll see you tomorrow. He didn't see basketball as this finite game right? Where I just lost. So it's over. That's kind of how we view life. I've lost this job promotion. I broke up with this person. We lost the house. It's over for me. Michael Jordan didn't see life that way. He saw it not as a finite game, but basketball as an infinite season where you come back season 
after season. You always say, I'll see you tomorrow. And so I wrote the book, I'll See You Tomorrow with my husband, Seth, because I want to teach people how to say, I'll see you tomorrow. In a world where everyone has become toxic and everyone that says something I don't like is now a narcissist. And I'm not saying that those things aren't real. Of course they are. Of course they are. But if we, I I do worry, I say this all the time, you guys know, words mean things. And so I worry if we overuse this vocabulary, we lose like the reality of the problem. And we are living in a culture today, hey, social media, viral Jesus, we're living in a culture where it is so easy to block and mute and ghost. And I want to remind people how to be in relationship. And so I wanted to show you why this is true from a sociological perspective, even an evolutionary perspective. But I also want to show you today why this is true from a biblical perspective. It's viral Jesus, right? Jesus is the reason that we are all here. So Genesis 2-7 reads, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Genesis 2-8, Now the Lord God had planted a garden east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And my friend, she's a chaplain here at Andrews University, Danielle Pilgrim, really walked me through a lot of this last year. This is God's ideal world before sin. God dwells with man. He makes Eve and man now dwells with each other. So God's ideal vision, please don't miss this, okay? If we were to give a Bible study today, this is what I want you to understand. God's ideal vision for man is for us to be in relationship with God and be in relationship with each other. This is not surprising because Genesis 1.27 says, God made human beings in God's own image. What does that mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? I believe it is not just to be made with intellectual thought, right? Or to be made with, with sound integrity or character, but also to live relationally. And here's why. Let me flesh this out for you. God only exists in relationship. Hold on, hold on, hold on. God only exists in the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God exists in the Trinity. Therefore, God only exists in relationship. What if God is not just a being we have relationship with? Hold on. What if the very nature of God is relationship itself? What if every time we partake in genuine, authentic, loving relationship, we partake in the very act of God? What if we are most fully in God's image when we are with God and with each other, the church? This is why I'm saying 
What is something I think we are getting wrong about God's vision for the family of God or God's vision for the kingdom of God? I really think part of it is this. I think that we think relationships are optional. (laughs) We have somehow, and more so I think in the West, just decided that relationships are optional. This episode is brought to you in part by World Relief, an organization that partners with the local church to serve the most vulnerable. Around the world, increased conflict, the lingering effects of COVID-19, and disasters caused by our changing climate have left millions of people in desperate situations. Many are fleeing their homes and are facing starvation, persecution, and more. These overwhelming challenges cause many of us to wonder, can I make a difference? The answer is simple. Yes, you can. When you join The Path, World Relief's monthly giving community, You partner with World Relief in bringing hope and transformation to the millions experiencing vulnerability around the world. And when you partner with your monthly gift by September 30th, your first year of monthly gifts will be matched dollar for dollar up to $25,000. Double the impact of your giving and visit worldrelief.org slash viraljesus today. I want to show you in a few more verses how the entire arc of scripture is God trying to get back to this ideal that we saw in the garden in Genesis 2, right? God is with us as we are with each other. That's what we see in Genesis 2. Genesis 2, 7 through 8, God is with us and we are with each other and with God, right? So Genesis 3, and I have entire sermon series on Genesis 3 I won't get into right now, but Genesis 3, Adam and Eve sin. There is a lot that goes on in Genesis 3. Essentially, we see that sin brings division of relationship. The first thing we see in Genesis 3 after sin is that the image of God is broken. How do we know that? They hide from God. And then Adam immediately turns on Eve, division of relationship between man and God, division of relationship between man and man. Adam immediately turns on Eve in Genesis 3.12. He says to God, the woman you gave me turns on her. What we immediately see of sin is that Adam is willing to sacrifice Eve to save himself. And you'll notice, by the way, at the cross, it's, it's really like this total reversal of what we see in Eden for so many reasons. But we see through the personhood of Jesus Christ that Jesus, you know, there's this part in in scripture where they say to Jesus, hey, if you are who you say you are, get down. I thought you were a miracle worker. Are you the same person? Weren't you raising people back to life? Weren't you healing people of their diseases? If you are who you say you are, get down from that cross. But what they did not understand is that because Jesus was who he said he was, he would never get down because Christ never sacrificed others to save self. That's what Adam did. The second Adam, no, 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 no. Jesus always sacrificed self to save others. Jesus chose relationship. 
because that's the image of God. In the very next chapter of scripture, Exodus 25, 8, we see a part of God's plan. So Genesis, right, two, God is with man, as man is with each other. That's God's ideal vision. Then Genesis 3, man falls. There's this division between man and God. They're hiding from God. And then this division in the relationship. Okay, now we're in Exodus. Exodus 25, 8, we see a part of God's plan on how we are to live in a sinful world. Exodus 25, 8 says, then have them make a sanctuary for me and I will dwell among them. Hmm. A relational God whose goal is to take us back in some way to Genesis 2, where God is with man and we are with each other. God only exists in the Trinity in relationship, and God dwells relationally with man as we dwell with each other. Isaiah prophesies to the children of Israel in Isaiah 7, 14. It says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. What's the sign? The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him what? Emmanuel. Emmanuel literally means God with us relationship. What is the Ten Commandments? The first four commandments, love God, right? First four commandments are essentially love God. The last six commandments, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery or love each other right? So the law of God, the Ten Commandments is love to God and love for each other. When the Jewish lawyer says to Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? Jesus says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love each other. God's goal in the entire arc of scripture is for God to be in relationship with his people. And we are made in the image of God, which means we were made in a relational image. I am telling you, this is true of both Christianity, but also evolutionary biology says you are wired and created to exist in relationship. And that is why I wrote, I'll see you tomorrow. Because I really think it's something we're getting wrong about God. We are losing our ability to be not just in relationship with God, but in relationship with each other. We're losing the image of God. We are losing the image of God in the church. In the Gospels, Emmanuel, God with us, is born through the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God dwells now through Jesus Christ, through the personhood of Jesus with man. God is fully now dwelling again with man as man dwells with God and with each other. Relationship, relationship, relationship. And lastly, let me show you this in Revelation 21.3, the very last book of the Bible, we see God's ultimate vision for humanity restored. It says this, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, 
God's dwelling place is now among the people. We are back to Genesis 2. And he will dwell with them relationship. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. That's the story. Listen, if I was to explain the Bible or the good news of the gospel to anyone, it would simply be that God desires to be in relationship with humanity. God wants a relationship with you. That's it. God wants a relationship with you. Don't overcomplicate it. You don't have to be perfect. God is perfect. He just wants to be in relationship with you and wants us to engage and partake and create healthy relationships with each other because that is the image of God. And yet we are living in a world today. This is why I say, I think it's something we're getting wrong. Even as a church, we're living in a world today where one out of five, told you I'm putting Dr. Day hat on. One out of five Americans say they don't have one person they can talk to. The image of God. We're losing it. A Brigham Young University study says loneliness, this is what I'm saying, this is true of both evolutionary biology and Christianity. A Brigham Young University study says loneliness has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day making it even more dangerous than obesity. It is loneliness that is killing us. By the way, Gen Z, my students, my little sweeties, Gen Z was rated the loneliest generation, scoring 10 points lonelier than even senior citizens. This is a generation that says, I have so many friends. I have so many likes. I have so many followers online. And yet we are losing the ability to be in real, meaningful relationship with other people. Let me show you this too. In a Gallup study from 1990, it was found that 26% of Americans said that when they go through a difficult time, their friend was the first person they would turn to. So in 1990, 26% of Americans said, when I'm going through a hard time, I talk about it with my friends. Today, that number has dropped by 10%. Only 16% of Americans say, in a difficult time, I tell my own friends. Only 16% of Americans say when I'm going through a divorce, when I'm grieving the loss of somebody I cared about, when I'm losing my job, when I'm transitioning to a new state, when I'm going through a difficult life experience, 16% of us tell our own friends. And by the way, it's not because we're telling our family. Only 9% of Americans say that in a difficult time, they tell their own family. So if we aren't turning to a friend and we aren't turning to family, who are we turning to? Who who are we telling? 81% of Americans say that when making a big life decision, they rely on their own research. 
This is why I'm so serious with you. I don't want you to just listen to the podcast. I am so glad that you are connecting with me every week, but I also want you to share it with a friend. And this is why, because you weren't meant to go through life alone. You weren't meant to learn alone. You weren't meant to go through discipleship alone. We are supposed to be in relationship with God and in relationship with each other. 81% of Americans say, when I'm going through my divorce, when I'm struggling with my addiction, when I'm trying to navigate grief, I Google it. I just want to do it all by myself. I just want to handle this thing on my own. I'm just going to quietly Google this. Listen, friend, self-reliance is a myth. It's a myth. You were created to be in the image of God. And Christians say that means to be in relationship with each other as we are in relationship with God. Every time we enact in healthy relationship or we create healthy relationship for somebody around us, that's why I can't wait to talk about mentorship next week. Every time we do this, we get to enact and partake in the very image of God. The health survey conducted by Cigna found a huge difference in average loneliness scores between those who had daily, meaningful, in-person encounters and those who didn't. We have got to talk to each other. We have got to stop by people's houses again. We've got to take the moment to step outside our office doors and not send the email, but walk down to our coworkers' desk and, and say it in person. It matters. No wonder when Jesus first stood in the temple in Matthew 15, 8 through 10, he said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, they worship me, teaching as doctrines, the commandments, of men. God says, I'm a relational God. My vision is to dwell with my people. It's always been my vision and my people to dwell with each other. I am Emmanuel, God with us. So you can sing your songs and pray your prayers, but without the image of God, what does it mean? Ephesians 4, 1 through 4 says, I urge you, this is Paul, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Friend, what does it mean to live a life worthy of our calling? It says this, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one spirit. We have got to learn how to start saying to each other, even people we disagree with. My daughter was, um, she's memorized Matthew chapter five. And I was listening to her go through it in the car this morning. And she was quoting Jesus talking to the Pharisees and saying, what good is it to you to love those who love you? Even the heathens do that. May this not be something we get wrong about God's vision for the family of God. It's that we would go around and be image bearers and relationship creators, bearing the very image of God to everybody around us. Just be faithful to what is in your hand online, when you're scrolling on your phone, when you're typing relationship, 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 when you're in person at your work or homeschooling your kids. 
or eating out at a restaurant, relationship, see people, see them as people. Learn how to say, I'll see you tomorrow to the people around us because relationship matters. So what can we learn from our conversation today? Number one, in the study by Renee Spitz, we learned that we don't just want relationships with others, we actually need them physiologically in order to survive. Number two, if I were to explain the Bible to you, I would walk you through how we see in scripture a relational God whose goal has been to be in relationship with us as we are in relationship with each other. Literally from Genesis to Revelation, relationship, relationship, relationship. That is why Seth and I wrote, I'll see you tomorrow. I truly believe this idea is something we are getting wrong about what it means to be in the family of God. Number three, self-reliance is a myth. You were created to be in the image of God. You were created to exist in a relational image. Every time we enact in healthy relationship, we get to enact in the image of God. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Next week, we get to sit down with somebody who has meant so much to me. It is my personal mentor. We're going to start our new podcast series next week lessons from my mentor. And what better way to start that than by introducing you to my mentor, Jose Rojas. I'll see you next week for another conversation where a viral Jesus guest talks and you and I listen so we can learn. I love growing with you on Viral Jesus. Every day, CT testifies to the reality that Jesus is alive, transforming his world and bringing his kingdom to bear. Jesus transforms, CT equips. Make a gift to our nonprofit ministry with a gift of $20 to provide 150 more people with redemptive storytelling, global perspective, and thoughtful podcasts. Give now at morect.com equip.